Welcome to My African Aesthetic, a podcast that interrogates the African aesthetic in African architecture and design. On this podcast, you'll hear about the work, philosophy, and design process of African architects and designers practicing in Africa and the diaspora. My name is Eunice Nanzala Schumacher. I'm a Ugandan architect and designer living and working in Norway. And my name is Penina Achayo Laker. I am a Ugandan graphic designer researcher, and educator living and practicing in the USA. Our podcast features conversations with designers working to provide architecture and design solutions for Africa. We would like this to become a platform where our guests share their knowledge and experiences on designing in the diverse, hybrid, and dynamic socioeconomic, cultural, and political African context. We are looking forward to embarking on this journey with you. Kinam Konlan is the founder of African Food Festival Norway, the largest celebration of African culture, cuisine and heritage in the Nordics. She is from Ghana and moved to Norway with her family at the age of two. She is very passionate and enthusiastic about telling the African food story, sharing our collective African food heritage and highlighting its place globally. Kenan believes that African food connects to the expression of who we are as Africans, the memories and histories we share as individual African countries with various tribes, but also as a continent. We're glad to have Kenan on the podcast and hope you enjoy our conversation. Very excited to be back with another episode and season three of the My African Aesthetic podcast. And uh, we're excited to have a uh, an engaging conversation, learning about food and a lot of things surrounding um, how we come together in, and build community through food. So today we have Kinam uh, with us. Kinam, welcome to the My African Aesthetic Podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so Eunice and I usually just start off very casually. We like to take you all the way back to your upbringing. And uh, so if you could just share with us a little bit about what your upbringing was like, where you grew up, where you were born, and if there are any memories or highlights that you want to share from that time, uh, that would be great. Okay, wow, there's so much. <laughs> uh, okay, so I come from Ghana. Um, I was actually born in Togo, in Lomé. Um, my father was being chased by Rollins that time. That's why they had to hide in, uh, in Togo. So that's why I was born there. People always ask me why. And um, we came to Norway when I was just two and a half years old. And I've been in Norway ever since. And my childhood was very nice. I have only good memories. And I remember that on Sundays, we used to eat fufu with palm nut soup. Like that was the family tradition. Like whenever we came home from, from church, my big brother would make um, the fufu. And, uh, and my mom will make the soup, I still remember. And we have to put the plates and everything on the table. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in Gurundalm, uh, a place called Lindberg, and um, had lots of friends and, uh, yeah, good memories. <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing. So you were only two and a half when you moved to Norway. And it sounds like yes. from what you've shared with us, in, in your household, you are still eating um, 
um, African food or um, food from back yes. home? Were you also speaking? Um, I don't know what the local language is. Well, if you are in Ghana, if, if you're you are born in Ghana, you are born in Togo, but you're Ghanaian. I am from Ghana. Yeah. What are you speaking? Ghanaian. Yeah. Uh, I'm from the northern part of Ghana, so I come from uh, a tribe called Bimoba, the Bimoba tribe. So our language is called Mwad. Mwad. Mm-hmm. So that's right. what we speak. So all of my siblings, all of us, we know how to speak that language. You know to. Wow. Yes, my parents, they were very strict on that. They didn't allow us to speak Norwegian inside the house. But outside, we could do whatever we wanted, but never yeah, inside. inside. You, know, mm-hmm. you know, that's very interesting because when I was growing up, so I'm from Uganda, and mm. my parents, they spoke to us in um, in Luo or in Luganda, but at school, we had mm-hmm. to like, speak English. And then because, yeah. you know, I grew up with neighbors from all other tribes. So I, I had like five languages wow. at a time, but it's in, yeah. but it's interesting that um, that in the home you need to speak uh, your local dialect, and that that's good yes. too because when you grow up, you know you and you you know you grow up knowing what your identity is and exactly, and you can also communicate with your grandparents back home and aunties when you travel or when you talk to them on phone. I think it's very important, and I've done the same yeah. with my own kids. Even though it's not 100%, it's like hmm. 70, 80%. We mix it with the Norwegian and English words, but still they can still have a full conversation with their uh, family back home and understand everything. Wow. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. really impressive. And I can I can relate with the challenges of um, raising kids, I think even in this generation, trying to pass yeah. on those same norms. And I, I think there's like, um, I've recently been seeing like, mobile applications for like you know that you can use to have your kids learn your local languages. I think there's ways mm. technology is making um making it maybe easier for uh for us to pass on those traditions um mm-hmm. in, in new and exciting ways. So yeah that's that that's really exciting. Um so you know grow you know being born in a on the continent and having to grow up in in Norway and also embracing this new culture, the Norwegian yeah. culture. Uh, could you talk about how, from what you remember in your household, when the Norwegian culture intersected mm-hmm. <laughs> with your Ghanaian culture, what 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 that was like? I know it seems like through food, you know, maybe the, you know that that maybe stayed authentically uh, Ghanaian, maybe in some way. But w- when did you start to see this, you know, Norwegian influences work their way into your everyday living? I remember this episode happened several times whenever my friends came over to my house. And they told me that they were hungry. My mom never made brøshiva, like bread, <laughs> uh, with cheese or eggs. She always served uh-huh. them like jollof rice or food. Yes. And she made them eat with their hands. She was like, nice. <laughs> and they loved it. And I remember there was once, I don't want to mention any names, but she always wanted to come to my house because she loved fufu. And she loved rice and stew. And so she was always asking questions like, what is this spice? What does it smell so good whenever I come to your home? And and I remember even one said, like, when my mom makes food, it doesn't even smell anything in the home. (laughs) So, like, I'm laughing because you know why I'm laughing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's how I noticed the difference. Like, I noticed that I'm different from uh, Norwegians. But um, I had a good childhood in school and lots of good friends. I never experienced any negative things because of my color. 
Like if yeah, I did, it was good. very little. Like it's not yeah. even something I want to mention at school. But other aspects of life, I did. So it, it sounds like you know food food played a big role um, in the, just uh, bringing your culture and and now you know moving into your career. It, it seems like that was there's a big influence from uh, maybe your mom growing up. Could you just share with us how aware um, the, the 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 influences that uh, directed your career path today came from? My mom has been one of the biggest inspirations, and um, there's a good and sad story. I feel like my mom is one of the Africans who should have opened a restaurant like a million years ago, but she never did because of the the excuses that all of them use. Mm. So um, it's very sad because I'm not just saying just because she's my mom. She's an awesome cook. Like she's such a good, good chef. Mm. And uh, I learned everything. The African dishes, I learned it from her because I have, I had lazy sisters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so early in the morning, my mom, we I come from a big family. We are six girls and two boys. So um, she will wake up Monday, no, Saturday morning, six o'clock to make all the stews and soups for the week. And then, of course, she needed help. So she will wake us up, all of us in the morning, like six. But guess who, who was the only person uh, who wake up and be in the kitchen with her? That was me. You. So that's actually oh. how I learned how to make food, just by watching her and seeing uh, how she cuts the meat, how she steams the meat. Uh, mm. Oh, sorry. Uh, what spices she uses. And um, so in, in the family, I'm the best cook, only because I got up in the morning. <laughs> so it's actually funny. <laughs> mm. So I tease my senior sister because she can only cut like onions and I can make a full pot stew. When you mentioned that your mom should have opened a restaurant. Maybe yes. Ago, it really... Mm-hmm. It really, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I understand. Because, yeah, yeah I, good. Mm-hmm. Your mom probably might have doubted. There was a lot of skepticism about the food. People, but it's also that thing of why yeah. they ready. You have the African Food Festival in, mm-hmm. in, in Norway now. So do you think Scandinavia is ready for a, a pure Af- explosion of African Mm. tastes you know and spice flavors I had two answers to that one is that time like then you have to ask yourself why were Norwegians ready for Indian Asian cuisine and not African there were still Asian restaurants people opening catering companies doing all kinds of stuff even even Sri Lankans so and they don't even dominate the food in the food business so um, I think with Africans, they they were and they still are mm. very afraid to try. Mm. They they let like so many excuses stop them from even trying, and they only limit themselves to like do making food to only our small African parties. Mm. Uh, yes, and my second answer is uh, I recently got God opened a major door for me in my food business. And that's how I know that they are now they are very ready. They really want to learn about African cuisine, uh, not on a small level, but on a bigger level. So so things are definitely going to happen uh, now and African food is going to be more visible. That's that's all I can say about that opportunity. How is it that the other cuisines are so easily embraced? What is it that is what is it? 
I don't know. You might not have I, the answer, but I'm just curious. No, yeah, I don't think I have the total answer. This this mm-hmm. is just my thought. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with the mindset first. Like Asian people have they are always been very business minded. Uh, and being business minded, then you know about marketing and branding and how to present your product or your food. Mm. So like, even though it's their local food, but uh, when they were ready to make a business out of it, they knew how to package it well and present it to, to Norwegians mm. and even, and even change some of the flavors to, to be suitable for Norwegian um, uh, mouth. Yes. So I think they were very strategic and very smart. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we also had the same chance, but we never, like with Africans in, not even Europe, I would say Scandinavia, mm-hmm. we don't have eyes to see. We don't have ears to hear. We we are so limited when it comes to opportunities. We don't know how to create opportunities or even see opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the problem we have in Scandinavia. So just what I'm doing now, like my mom could have just simply started with, or I mean, not just my mom, like African women, mm-hmm. they could have just started with meat pie. Meat pie is already, it looks beautiful. It's very simple. Just package it, it well, well, find a strategic place and start from there and just see where God will take your business. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we, we, we want to be, we are so comfortable in our comfort zone and, uh, and we don't have the mindset. I, I feel like that has been, the biggest problem with Africans in Scandinavia. Uh-huh. But the mindset, like, yeah. Mm, so Kina, when you, when you actually said that about your mom, I related mm. because we, we, you, we've talked a lot about um, our educational systems in Africa yeah. and how they have taught us, at least when you go through school, you become mm. very passive learners. Like, you know, you learn from what the teacher says, but we mm. weren't really encouraged to be critical thinkers, the people that question yeah. things, people that think outside the box. So even when you shared the story about when you were young, you remember your mom making food for your friends, your Norwegian friends, and your Norwegian friends were asking, curious, what spices, what's this? Mm. Do you think I would go to my friend's house and be curious about what spices <laughs> that they are in the food? I would just eat the food and be grateful for yeah. that. I would never like be like, oh, what did you use to cook this food? What is it? And mm. the, the kid in me would not. Not that yeah, I understand. Not, not, not that you know they wouldn't tell me what it is, but mm. I we just never we were not encouraged to be that like questioning that is and, very and asking. True. And and yet at the same time, like we read about how like we are some of the most entrepreneurial people in in the world. Like Africans, like yeah. you know, we're always creating businesses, but it's always safe, comfortable. Like you talked about, like how do we imagine? African food for a different palate. How can we? We, yeah. we don't want changing our food. Our food is eaten in a yes. specific way. And if you if you don't get with that program, sorry. So I understand. I can yes. see how it's not like you no, know, we you know Scandinavians and ready or whatever. I think mm. we Africans we just haven't given ourselves the permission to like think outside the box there. and yeah you know, and think differently because. We're, we put ourselves, and yet, you know, we are so rich in so many things in culture. It, there's so many it's things we can so pack it sell. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's so it's painful. Like, I feel you. <laughs> oh, and it's not—it's not just my mom. I have like diff- millions of aunties here who yes. should have owned ten different restaurants just here in Oslo alone, and it's just so sad. It's so sad, but. <laughs> They, I feel like things have shifted now. Like the new generation, 
we are we are doing things differently. We are tired of of sitting down and not seeing things happen. We we are the generation that are going to change things and uh, not just sit down and talk or go and yes. demonstrate and do all of that. We we are now going to put action behind our words and actually chase mm-hmm. our dreams mm-hmm. and ta- and take our space. I feel like that's yes. also another thing. We we feel I feel like we are shy. Like, oh, I'm just grateful to be here in Norway. Let me just be comfortable, get a get a job as a nurse and get my my yeah. house and secure and go on vacation once a year. No, <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we're taking our spaces. Yeah. And, bringing, I mean, we are, and presenting con- our culture in a beautiful way. Yeah, mm. and we're contributing. We are contributing exactly. to society. Like we have mm-hmm. a lot to also give and share. And yes. yes, and they so can also benefit you. from learning so much from our yes. culture. Yes, <laughs> I, I I like the direction that this is taking. And, That's and, good. Kinam, we can already feel the passion that you have for what you do mm. for food, for oh, culture, for heritage, for food, and everything around it. You know, all mm. the, all the things that food can do. Mm-hmm. Already started by you know pointing out how food was an icebreaker food was an a social thing for you even as you were trying to integrate in the, the Norwegian society and you were here with your family food is that opening yes. and 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 I begin to wonder when we begin to actually go into the details of, mm. of, of why why mm-hmm. Asian cuisine uh, um, Chinese cuisine and and uh, so, I mean, it, Mexican cuisine, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We have what we call Taco Friday. That is yes. the Norwegian tradition. Really? Yes. yes. It is. So so one really... It, but it's going to be Jollof Friday very soon. Okay. Or ta- Jollof yes. Saturday. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have an admission to, to add that. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But I just, when 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 I want to eat something from uh, from Africa from the continent, and I know that's broad, but yes, I want to eat something from Africa. I want to be surprised. It's only the Ethiopian, yes, Ethiopian. And, it has been like that forever. And no one should be angry at the Moroccans or the Ethiopians for understanding what you're trying yes. to explain to us. So all this <laughs> leading to, <laughs> I just I would like for you to share how 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 the African Food Festival came about, how you started that. And I mean, how you transitioned from learning how to cook with your mom, mm-hmm. the kitchen, the early mornings of helping, yeah, always tugging around and learning a few things to, okay, you know what? I think this could be something. Let me start mm-hmm. something concrete. Just exactly what you said about not finding our food um, anywhere in Oslo. So I was just, um it it was just out of frustration I was like I want the food that I grew up eating to be known appreciated and loved by other people than Ghanaians or West Africans and I just wanted to share our beautiful food culture and and also let people know how nutritious our food is like being our, our food is good that's just one thing but you know the nutrition value of our food I feel like they're people they don't know that and I, I and I also wanted to just start create a platform where we would just celebrate it and um, um, just one day or two 
and uh, in a way that we Africans will feel like it's authentic and real and done in a in an honorable way. And I hope that every time I had my festival, I've been able to do that because that's very, uh, very important to me. So far, how has the reaction been generally? It has been awesome, like beyond my wildest imagination. Like when I first started in 2018, I had like almost 500 people who showed up. Like, yes, that was the first one. And I didn't have any website, nothing. It was just on Facebook. But 500 people, Jollof lovers came. And then the second year, I honestly, we stopped counting at 2007. Like when when we saw that it was about 2,007 people, we stopped counting and people were still coming. And then when we were planning to have it in 2020, we were estimated that there will be around 4,000 people. 3,005, 4,000. So this year, I know that we we are estimating the same people, like 4,000 plus. So people really, and the majority of the people that comes are actually, I would say it's 50-50, Black people, Africans, and uh, other ethnicities. So people are very, very curious about our cuisine. What kind of questions have you got, for example, from people who are curious? Um, okay, let me tell you about one episode. And that really touched me. And I always have to tell people about it. There was one guy who was, um, the mom was uh, Norwegian and the dad, I think, was from Nigeria or Ghana. And and I noticed that he was dancing and he was so, so happy. And then the mom came to me and the way she thanked me and showed appreciation almost made me cry. She was like, the son told her that she he feels connected to, to his dad now because he... He sees how his people looks like and how they eat and what they eat. And he was like, mom, I feel at home. I feel, I feel, now I, I don't just feel Norwegian. <clears throat> Sorry, I feel also Nigerian. And that really, like, I nearly cried. But it really touched me because that's the whole purpose of my festival, for people to feel at home mm-hmm. and for, like, kids who mix those who has who are maybe not connected to the to the African mm. side to feel at home yes. at least to get a little taste of how the other side is uh, looking like mm-hmm. and the other questions I've been having is like there was a one other guy who came and said I didn't know Africans was so cool I've always been so afraid of Africans yes what? he's like you Africans you are so kind like he, he said he, had, he feels so loved. Everybody was just smiling and made him feel so welcome. Yeah. Wow. What nice yeah. stories. And, and touching on the biracial children, touching on mm-hmm. children from two different cultures, or even children who are adopted. Yes. will undermine mm-hmm. the importance of the other part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Small things like that. A festival would mean a lot. It you know, does not for not for children just as a child, but even as a young adult, and that stage where yeah. it's both fun, mm-hmm. but it, but it's also educative, and they can participate. It's not like you're yes. sending yes. them. You're not you're not sending them to a course about their Nigerian. <laughs> mm-hmm. They di- immediately they disconnect. But like I'm feeling mm-hmm. a festival. It's like it's such a nice nice way of introducing yeah. another culture and uh, mm-hmm. learning from it but then also 
a, a nice way of making a statement in a in a culture where one mm-hmm. is a minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have this friction of like, okay, you know, do you want us to eat your food too? Are you forcing this down our throat? Yeah. It's a global world. And I think yes. 90 plus percent of the Norwegians I know, they like this because they I mean, love diversity it. Diversity is good. Most people love it. It's part of mm-hmm. the diversity agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think food is one of those safe but very beautiful ways of, of sharing yes. without really how can you get angry over jollof rice you know like in time ah. a nice ah. dish of rice you know like it, 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 it's inviting <laughs> you to a conversation I feel like food especially is- if it's a Ghanaian jollof like you can't you can't be angry because of that maybe the Nigerian I don't know in there yes. I got that. I was like, oh, oh, oh. on this podcast, we are neutral. (laughs) (laughs) But the funny thing is that the women I have hired in that works in my kitchen, majority of them are Nigerian. So I, I always, so we make both Ghana and Nigerian jollof. But I always have to fight them. Like if like a brother, big brother and little sister thing, I always have to tease them. Yes, no, that's that 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 that's. I think also that's the beauty of it. Um, yeah. What I what I what I love just to pick up on some of what Unis was sharing. What I love about what you said when you're describing, um, the African Food Festival. You are talking about how it's not just about us, you know, sharing our food or the t- or the taste of our food, but it's also mm. it, you know educating people on the nutritional value of our yes. food. You know the things that um, you know, make our make, make our food good good for mm-hmm. us and, and so I was just curious from your perspective what 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 do you think is the value why is it important for us to be able to um to document to share to tell our stories um but to, to package them in ways where we're also sort of like educating and and sharing why why is that an important piece because yes you can just make food and share with someone but why mm. is it important to have that extra layer where you're also using it as a way to to educate, inspire. Um, issues that you had. You know, some of our, our soups are very good for like bowel movements or skin or what energy, whatever. So I feel like if people are just open-minded, more open-minded and willing to learn from different cultures, like it, it will, it can actually help them and benefit them in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And, so and also, also bring also- more flavor. Mm-hmm. Then it also means that on the African side, it gives gives us an opportunity to learn about the benefits of our food on a different level as well. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I um one of the reasons why I'm also doing this is the um, the story, the beautiful stories that has been passed on from generations to generations. Like I really want to highlight that too, and um, so yeah. I think it's very important for people to know. Well, I love that, that you're also using the festival as a way to capture those stories. So I know you have a website, which I've had a chance to look at the website as well. Um, are there other plans to document and and um, and store these histories in a way? Like, what, are there other things you're thinking about? Yes. One of my <laughs> dreams are to make a food documentary. Like I really want to do that to travel to my, especially my village. Like, oh my gosh, I love my village. So I want to do that. I really want to do that and present it to Scandinavia. Yeah. 
No, that's mm-hmm. that's important. That's important. Yes. Yeah, with I'm I'm glad we have it on record. So that day, one that day when you you know you're like we're seeing you like on Netflix yeah. somewhere with a documentary, be like, hey, I mean about this yes. on the podcast. <laughs> so we're manifesting it for you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. I would I would like to ask about the the taste uh, palette. Mm-hmm. What are what what would you generally th- say about uh, the Scandinavian palette? Like, uh, what what are the things? I know, like for example, the West African food, most of it is very spicy. The chili, yeah, are there. Yeah. <laughs> for example, if I could compare, I like comparing it with Indian food because, like, it also mm-hmm. has lots of flavors and it's like explosion. Uh, yeah. What has happened with the Indian uh, food and in Norway is that they have toned down sometimes. Like they tone down the levels of chili mm-hmm. generally. And but if you are like if if you're a frequent Indian food eater, yeah, and you tell them I want this and this, and they they give you the right. So I'm yes. wondering what what kind of adjustments have you have you made not to sell your recipe but you know like where yeah yeah some adjustments in order to to suit the Scandinavian market or what plans do you have or what have you discovered that Scandinavians probably love that that is more attractive to them you know in terms of mm-hmm. their talent. Mm-hmm. I actually when I started in 2018 I was very afraid that people might think our food is uh, full of pepper. So I uh, I reduced it drastically. And then I was getting comments like, ah, Kino's food is not even, where's the pepper? And <laughs> yes, and this came from yeah. both uh, some Africans and some white people. Wow. So I think that people's palates has actually changed. They, they are, their mouth can tolerate more pepper now. So now I have like a normal, <laughs> honestly, I put like normal, normal pepper, and then if you want it to be extra hot, then you just add that in the mm. in the order, and then I will I know how to do it, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I can customize any any order. But um, I was actually told to add more pepper in my food, so mm-hmm. I don't feel like people. I think a lot of things have changed. People mm-hmm. are ready for yes. our food, and people are more used to spicy food now. Mm-hmm. And that's just the- my experience. Mm. but back to aesthetics someone once told me mm. and they've been to Uganda and had some really good food and they're like mm. the ingredients are so so pure it's like it's it's mm. like to have such a meal where I can actually almost separate the ingredients wow. yeah in my head like they are so mm-hmm. pure like the vegetables there the sweet potatoes mm. there the and then mm-hmm. the Luwombo, the Ugandan traditional, yeah. Uganda, Uganda's uh, traditional food. And the person's yeah. ingredients are just pure. You're not, you don't mm. feel like you're being uh, tricked. Uh, yeah. But the person was like, if the presentation, the person was like, mm. they felt like African food is so delicious, but it's like that aesthetic of, and this is where the tension I feel also comes in for me. It's like, when you're trying to write and document a story, for example, food, it is food is so precise. I yeah. feel I feel it is so it's so hard to adjust it and mm. still keep the essence of it. Yes. That's uh, my I, challenge. I, 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 yeah. So like I noticed that 
one some some restaurants really have had to adopt to like really you know like presenting it almost mm. appeal to the west or to appeal to to upper class clients yeah what's your comment on that it's something i still i, I haven't managed to yeah. process, but it's a thought that i would like to bounce back at you mm-hmm. uh is a is a challenge because i like if i can't make it authentic then i w- then i'll just shut down my business like the whole point is to give you a taste of my village food or the uh, west african cuisine so if if you're not eating authentic west african food then i i don't even want to do this anymore but again people like the way you present it has to be presentable has to look professional has to be have, ha- it has to look nice but some of our dishes the way because of the ingredients and the the cooking process like it changes the <laughs> the the look of it so like no matter yes. how hard you try it it will it can't, it, it can't look like um a five star restaurant type of food but but that's just how our food is so you just have to accept it but of course we there are some techniques and ways you can learn to make it look more presentable so we we just have to learn that but we have to keep it authentic because when you travel to the country it will that's how it looks like So I think we also have to tell them like this is how the food is made and this is the reason why it looks that way. It's not that we just smash everything on the on the plate, it's the cooking process and that's the end result is how this <laughs> this looks. Mm-hmm. So um but of course but we also but I've seen some dishes that can that could have been presented in a better mm-hmm. way. So we just have to, we also have to be willing to learn those techniques and and present our food well if we don't do it then nobody would even want to to try it mm-hmm. so we have our role to play but we also have to tell them our story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think also that's that's the beauty i think you know so like the whole model of a festival because it's very it's 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 not like going to a restaurant where you go you sit you get served blah there's opportunities yes. to engage and to yes. work together to figure things to try different yes. ways and talk to the vendors and ask them questions to talk to the vendors Mm -hmm. yeah so i think so i think it's it's really smart that um that 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 kind of format is is going to allow for that space for us to to share Mm -hmm. but to also learn and tweak but but yeah what you said about we also want to make sure we're staying authentic and true um yeah to to what we are providing because then people will not want it. It, it gets so watered down and become like mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, a, that's an interesting point of tension, like a push and pull. There isn't like a right, a perfect like answer, but I think it it, it mm. comes with you understanding who the audience is you're serving and what their yes. needs are and that kind of building that relationship over time yeah. and seeing what, uh, what that looks like. But what, when you talked about the five star um, sort of example, I was thinking about how like, yeah, you know we we should we should create our own version of five stars like that that's not like thank you that's that's not how we you know think of like we value food like you know saying like this meal that that mm. wombo that is you know uh, you know a steamed meal in banana fiber with like you know that's like a five star like exactly that one yes yeah you know? so i but so i think there is an opportunity for us to also you know invite and educate the rest of you know the world into yes. what our five star is so yes really covered a lot of really interesting 
areas um in yeah. this conversation of the uh, uh, african food festival what, what what are some hopes aspirations you know you know you talked about maybe making a documentary and you're growing in number and in size i'm curious you know what are, what are some things you're dreaming about and hoping for this oh i can't say i can't <laughs> dive into that but i have big news coming like very soon like god wow. honestly god opened mm. i prayed about this in 2018 and mm. just one and a half week ago god answered that prayer and this is like yeah. i'm i'm the first african to step into that territory here in norway so oh. it's huge for african cuisine wow yes so i feel like this is going to open so many doors for other africans who are in the food business as well and i'm um, i'm just i'm really excited so things are oh. things are happening Yeah. Wow. So we'll congratulate you and wait for that announcement. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It's coming very soon, trust me. It's coming soon. But my mission here on earth is to continue to to make sure that African cuisine is being um celebrated and loved. What does the African aesthetic mean to you in yeah. the context of your own work? I would say I just want people to feel at home mm. and i just want to, i want i want people to when they eat my food and to feel like they're eating their grandmother's food back home like that's how i want to that that that's the feedback i want to hear from people whether they eat, eat, order from my catering company or whether they come to the festival to feel like they actually travel to uganda or ghana and they felt mm. like the fate like they are in Uganda in in the um, in the heart of Oslo or when they are ordering food for me they feel like it reminds them of their grandmother or their mother's food like that's wow. that's the aesthetic uh, and the feeling i want to give to people i i love that it sounds like you know when when you are talking when you are sort of just sharing what you want people to feel in mm. my mind i was thinking of like it, It sounds like the African aesthetic to you in this in this area of food is is one that inspires nostalgia. It's, it's nostalgic, but it's also yes, yeah. But 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 it but but it's also ancestry. Like you're taking us back to our traditions, our grandmas, and mm. it's 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 capturing that. And I think there's just something so so heartwarming and special about that. And now yeah. now I need to come. Thank you. I need to come. I need to I need to find a way to get to Masisa come. <laughs> So it's in, yeah when when is that when is, when do the is the festival is there um, second July second July hey, July yes <laughs> I need to find my way there <laughs> you have to come please wow wow um well Kina it's, it's been such a delight um talking with you sharing with you hearing and learning more about the festival we we will be sure to um to share more about the African food Uh, festival with uh, thank you. audience of listeners and we can't wait to keep watching you grow uh, looking out thank for you. the different ways you're sharing the stories that are coming out of the festival um, and if there's any way uh, this platform could um, could uh, support the work that you're doing we'd love to do that and oh, I'm just you. so grateful for um, for the opportunity to learn to learn with you to be inspired and and I'm sure I'm sure your mom your aunties or all, all our moms or aunties you know you know mm-hmm. are proud and uh, imagine it's it's um, it's happening so thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story 
I truly appreciate that. And your work and your podcast, what you're doing is very important. So keep it up, please. Very good. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please join us for more conversations and interviews with African educators, creatives, architects, urban planners, and designers as they share their knowledge and experiences about practicing in Africa and the diaspora. Remember to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with other people that might be interested in this content. Thank you for joining us today.